Hello and welcome to On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt. Joining me again, I'm very I'm very excited to have Sam Frey back. Um, second week in a row. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. A um, lot of new stuff in, in baseball. Well, a decent amount. I mean, up, update on... Um, some some progress with the CBA talks, which is good. Always good to hear with that. Um, hopefully the season starts on time. It's getting a little – it's a little questionable at this point. It is a little questionable indeed. Um, I am encouraged by the fact that they are meeting more frequently, it appears, this week and meeting for longer periods of time. But on the same – on the flip side of that coin – it doesn't appear that anything is like significantly getting closer to a season, but hopefully with the, with the more time passes, the, the longer they meet for these coming next three or four days, the, the closer we get. Yeah. I mean, definitely they definitely need to start feeling the urgency. I feel like that's sort of a big, both sides need to feel urgency at this point. I feel like the league's sort of already starting to do that. I mean, they already gave a deadline of the 28th, if, if a deal's not done by the 28th, the season will not start on time. Which, I mean, that's a month before the season starts, but that's also, you need about three, four weeks of spring training at the least in order to get players ready. Pitchers specifically. And you need free agency. Right. Because there are guys that, like we said last week, there are guys that are impact players that don't have a team that have not signed to to a deal in free agency. So if you're thinking, you know, one or two weeks of free agency and three to four weeks of spring training, all of a sudden if you don't have a deal in the next, say, two or three weeks, you're looking at a very shortened season, like a shortened season to where maybe you're looking at like 100 games. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Although I don't know... I almost get the feeling that they would just – they wouldn't have, like, a week of free agency. They would, they would just go, like, almost right into spring training and just continue – like, they would start having players. Players could start signing, right. and that would go immediately to spring training. These players have been working out on their own anyway. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen the, – there have been a lot of videos on social media of players, you know, saying that they are ready to get back into it and posting their workout videos and pitchers are posting them throwing and – we saw the Ronald Acuna Jr. batting cage video kind of went viral of him smacking one. Very excited to see him back coming off that injury. But, yeah, like you said, players are ready to go, and there are quite a bit of of free agents that I'm sure will be signed pretty soon after the lockout is over, um, just because I think teams are going to want to sort of get their roster dialed and, and nailed down before before too much of spring training passes especially because the i mean free agency was stopped on december 1st so i mean that's been on, on a typical year that's maybe i mean that's still another two and a half months before i mean you have all of december all of january and about half of february before spring training would start on a typical year so they basically got rid of like two and a half weeks of free agency or two and a half months of free agency then now they're just going to sort of isn't going to ha- I mean players are just going to sign during spring training almost. It's going to be the week after the lockout is going to be Jeff Passan just dropping bombs on the timeline <laughs> for for a week straight. But yeah, the they they have been meeting. They met yesterday, they're meeting today and I think the plan is to meet um tomorrow and Friday as well because then you're looking at if they don't get a deal done by Friday after the weekend, that Monday is going to be the 28th. Right. So I think the next two days are going to be probably the two most important days of the of the lockout with with proposals and counterproposals, and we'll we'll see if they can make any progress. I hope they – I really hope they get a, a deal done soon because I'm, I'm excited to, to see some spring training and see, see some guys get back on the field. It definitely seems like they're kind of far apart, too. Yeah. Um, lot, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ground that needs to be made up at this point. Um, I mean, it, like, just 
Monday, the league made a proposal. Then just yesterday, the Players Association made a proposal. So maybe the league will make another proposal today. I, I'm not sure. Um, but, I mean, hopefully this does come to a resolution pretty soon. I, I think all the fans really just want to see a regular season at this point. It'll ta- I think it'll take their minds off of everything else going on. Yeah, and, and a lot of fans are, are genuinely excited about their team's um, team's prospects, and, and a lot of guys are going to get called up this year Yeah, that are big names. Um, the biggest names potentially getting called up would be like the Adley Rushmans of the world, the Bobby Wood Juniors of the world, the Spencer Torkelsons of the world, and... I think just fans of baseball in general, like I'm not a Royals fan, but I'm really excited to see Bobby Wood. I'm not an Orioles fan, but I'm excited to see Adley Rushman. And a lot of the fans, not just their own teams, but a lot of some, some new free agent destinations like the Rangers with Seager and Simeon in the middle of that infield. I think a lot of fans are just excited to see how the season plays out in general. And I think a shortened season would be extremely disappointing, especially since the the 2020 season was also 60 games. So you're right. talking about two of the two of the three seasons and last three seasons being shortened, which I think would be disappointing. Oh, it definitely would. And it's it's not going to help fans. I mean, they're talking about I mean MLB wants to increase the pace of play so that more fans get interested in baseball and yet you have this stuff happening granted not not all of it's because of that but you have this happening that where you have these shortened seasons where it's not that's that's not helping at all I mean you almost need to have a full season every year in order to draw more fans in keep them interested um sort of pique their interest a bit yeah and they're always going to be diehard fans they're going to watch no matter what but the sort of casual fan that you know is is wishy washy about the game and watches if it's interesting and doesn't watch like those are the kind of fans that the lockout is really gonna push away from the game, right? And baseball does need to to get that get the fan base. They're always trying to get to get a bigger fan base and get a bigger audience for their games and. I think the the damage this lockout causes will be reflected in TV ratings if this if the season is shortened. Yeah, I think that could. I mean, that would. I mean, the the biggest thing that the owners care about. I mean, this is generalizing, but for the most part, one of the main things the owners care about is making money. I mean, that's the purpose of them owning owning a team is to make money. I mean, it's the business aspect of it. But they also they also want to. I mean, they also want the team to do good, but as far as the money aspect, a shortened season hurts them revenue-wise. They're not not as many games, so not as many people going through the gates. Um, I mean, it, it would plus if fans aren't as interested, that would also hurt how many fans c- go to the games. So it's it's almost if there ends up being a shortened season, yes, it it would hurt the players just because they're not getting they wouldn't get paid as much. I think. I mean, what happened in. 2020 was it was a prorated amount of their salary right um, so, i mean if it's a shortened season i can see that same thing happening again which means they don't get paid as much but the owners also don't get paid as much yeah not only that but but you've got guys that are going into their last year of a contract or they're on a prove it deal and they want to put up a a 162 games worth of stats to to, to try to prove themselves to teams that could sign them and we saw in the 60-game season, it was very much of a lot of guys. Some guys got, like, insanely hot for 60 games and put up these crazy numbers, while some were the opposite. And it could have just been, like, 60 games, that's a third of the season. That's, right. that's not that's not a really accurate reflection of who, who a lot of these guys are as players, both on the positive and negative side. So you had guys that were hitting, like, you know, 220 and and hitting, like, five home runs in 60 games. And that's not really doesn't really reflect accurately reflect them as a player. So I think that everybody wants to wants to play 162 games. The question is, can they can they get it done? And it'd, it'd be really disappointing if we know the fans want it, we know the players want it, we know the owners want it, and we still can't get 162 games. That would be to me very disappointing. It definitely would. And I think that's sort of that. That's almost one of the biggest issues. I mean. That's one of the things the players and owners agree on. 
but it's it's everything else that they sort of need to come to a consensus on. I mean, they're they're still pre, they're still far apart in a lot of issues. I mean, the players' association has not really budged at all for the most part. Um, they did they did do they did budge a little or lowered their expectations a little bit in their newest proposal, but it wasn't it wasn't as much as what the league's done at this point. I I mean, both sides just need to start compromising. I mean, even if it takes a little bit like the league compromised a little bit try to get it going and then the player association did a, i mean a little bit not to the same extent and it just it needs to start sort of catching steam and just get going and then i mean once that happens that's when it's the momentum gets them towards a deal yeah and it's like you said they've the MLBPA has sort of they lessened their ask on how many players with two to three years service time would be eligible for that arbitration. And they also asked for increase in minimum, minimum salary, but they didn't No, no one has discussed the luxury tax. Right. And they haven't really discussed the a potential uh, salary floor for some of these teams, like the pirates and the Rays, who are spending like $30 million a year and, not even trying to to actually pay players. I know the Rays just paid Wander Franco, but um, that was just an examples last year of teams that were actively spending as little money as could. The Guardians do the same thing. Orioles. I yeah. mean, when I mean, since they're typically rebuilding teams for the most part. But but Plus even then, like but teams like the the Guardians and the Rays have yeah. been doing it. A's and too. And are, the A's are, exactly yeah. have been doing it with teams that. And I think what what's upsetting for the fans is they feel like they're a piece away and they've got ownership that's just unwilling to to go get that piece that could have pushed them over the edge. I mean, you saw Cleveland nearly win a World Series. The A's have been at least not really successful in the playoffs, but they've at least been very competitive in a difficult AL West and have gotten there multiple times in the last five years. The Rays just got to a World Series in the shortened season and were close to winning. And then they were the one seed last year. Right. So it's not just these rebuilding teams. I I think just the the players are wanting to put more money, invest more money in themselves, and also help out some of the minor leaguers that are – that fans just don't understand why they're just stuck in the minors when they're they're playing well there. Um, But we talked about it a little bit last week – but yeah, it's it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see to see the direction of these next couple of days. And when we're sitting here next week, I think a lot is going to be changed. A lot's going to have changed either for the positive or the negative. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely we should have more of a sense by this time next week what if the season's going to start on time. I mean, obviously, if a deal's not done by then, the season's pr- not going to start on time. Right. Um, but if if there is a deal done, I mean, then most likely the season would start on time. Yeah, and I, I think if yeah, if there's a deal done by by the time we sit here next week, I am confident the season will start on time. Because, yeah, like like I said, I think I think if they once they get a deal done, it's going to be pretty much pedal to the metal, right? It's going to be full tilt to to get the spring training and to get all these free agents uh signed and, and you've got guys some of the top guys that that haven't gotten so you got like Trevor Story, Nick Castellanos, Correa, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Anthony yeah. Rizzo, Michael Conforto, Kyle Schwarber, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, these are names that are gonna be impact players. So so like I said, the week the week after the lockout ends is gonna be pretty hectic and, and I'm Really, if they can get a deal done tomorrow or Friday, I'm going to be really excited for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean that'll definitely that'll I think raise everyone's spirits a bit. Hopefully, hopefully we can talk about some monster signings next week. That'd be, oh yeah, that'd be like the, <laughs> the greatest uh, the greatest gift for next week. Yes, definitely. That would definitely um, make this a little more. Give it, make it more upbeat. Right. Than... I, I want to talk about free agency and spring oh, yeah. training. I don't. Me I mean, it's, I don't <laughs> want to talk about you know these negotiations and you know if it's going to happen, if it's not. But we'll see. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, we talked last week about the trial of Eric Kay for the for Tyler Skaggs' death. Um, 
last week it was still ongoing. By, I mean, by this point, just actually, I believe last Thursday or Friday, yeah. um, it, it actually, the jury came, I think it was Thursday, the jury mm-hmm. came back and they'd met all day Thursday and then Thursday afternoon announced that they had found Kay guilty on two felony counts, um, which, um, for distributing fentanyl and then also causing the death of Skaggs. So he faces a minimum of 20 years in prison, although he's not going to get sentenced until June, end of June. So I mean, yep. he's, he's going to be in jail until then, but that's not going to – that, that will pro- most likely count towards a sentence, but it won't, won't necessarily be his full sentence. Um, what do you think this means for the impact on baseball? I think it means that they, they're taking it seriously and, and – it means that you know this is not something that's going to be tolerated when when issues like this are revealed in the team within teams. And it obviously was terrible. We had to find out the issue because of a death. But you know, I think it's 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 showing that you can't do this kind of stuff. And you know, I'm glad it happened because I think Skaggs' family is going to be more at peace with with the death and and they said that in the article and how they they were crying and hugging each other when when the verdicts came in and I'm happy for them I really am and I'm also happy that the precedent has been set to where you can't you can't distribute drugs like that and 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 because it can lead to stuff like a death and it it's terrible that it happened but I'm I'm happy that there's there's was punishment given and i am hopeful that a situation like this does not happen in the future yeah i would agree i think it it is nice that there is some sort of closure for the yeah. for skaggs's family as far as what happened with his death um i i think the main question at this point of what this sort of raises to the forefront is how much of an issue drug use is in baseball um i mean it's it wasn't really i mean before this happened it wasn't no one talked about how i mean players used it and now i mean during the trial you had five players come forward who said they they had used them at least once and i mean whether or not it's a widespread issue or not it's definitely something that need that is is concerning to to the league and to the players too i mean it hurts their health hurts the league's, I mean, hurts the league's, um, production. I mean, the, their, not just their image, but also, I mean, what, they're behind the scenes of it. And it, not only that, it, it just undermines the whole, the whole game almost. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but you had a guy like Matt Harvey come forward and saying that he did distribute opioids to, to Skaggs, and that's going to get him... A potential sixty-game suspension when he, if he gets signed by a by a team, and like you said, I think there is a lot that we don't know, and there's a lot we're, we're never going to know probably. So it's it's really hard to say how much of this stuff is happening across baseball, just because it took the death of Skaggs for us to even know about what was happening with the Angels. So who knows what other teams what's what's happening behind the scenes of other teams. Yeah, but the Matt Harvey stuff is crazy, and he's going to be suspended if if he gets signed because of the opioid distribution. Yeah, I mean, def- I mean, that's definitely huge for his career. Well, I mean, that's a, a a step forward for the league as far as sort of moving this conversation into the open. And now, I mean, hopefully now they start to investigate it more. I mean, almost they create their own start their own investigation, maybe in conjunction with the government, who knows, but sort of try to figure out if this is a bigger issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, with, with what the players said in, in, during the trial, it definitely, they, I mean, they said it was a widespread issue. So, I mean, if that proves to be true, I mean, that could, I mean, not, probably not on, at the same level as the steroid crisis in baseball, but it, 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 it could be a big a big sort of pushing away point for fans if if the, if that proves to be true. Yeah, if 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 it comes out if they do further investigation and it comes out that multiple other teams are involved in this kind of stuff, it is going to be very hard for the fans to swallow. 
Um, but obviously if it's happening, you want to know about it. So it's better that to, to do more investigation and try to figure it out than just let it happen behind the scenes without anyone knowing, because you could have another situation like this, which would be, which would be tragic and, and hope, hopefully now that the punishments have been levied and the, and it's been being taken seriously, we'll, we'll snuff out any sort of problem that could be happening around the league. So do you think Matt Harvey and I mean, do you think any team would sign Matt Harvey at this point? Granted, I mean, his career was he, not he wasn't totally washed out of the league, but he ha, I mean, he hadn't pitched with the major league team since 2019. Um, hadn't really. I mean, even when he did pitch, he wasn't at his former self. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't as dominant as he used to be. So I. Even before this, I don't know if any team really would have considered sign. I mean, maybe sign him to a minor league deal just to see if he still has it. But, I mean, what what do you think the odds are that a team actually signs him at this point? Well, I mean, he pitched for the Orioles last year. And he was 6-14 and 14 with a 6.27 ERA last year with the Orioles. So, I mean, factor that in with a 60-game suspension and... I think that his career is probably over. Um, he had a great run with, with the Mets for a little bit there in the early 2010s, but I don't think he has it anymore. I don't think he's he's a good enough pitcher to, to play in the major leagues regardless of the suspension. But now factoring that in, I would be shocked if he gets another major league contract. Yeah, I think this is definitely not necessarily the final block in in sort of per, in him not coming back to the majors but it's definitely a, an obstacle for him signing with a team i mean i don't know what team there, there might be a team or two that maybe takes a chance on him um but I, I i find it pretty hard to believe that that a team would consider signing him at this point yeah i mean he's 32 he hasn't had a he hasn't had an era below four and a half since 2015 he's 30 he's 32 almost 33 I just don't see a way he he finds that that young Matt Harvey that that we saw with the Mets so we are going to take a quick break but there is more more baseball talk on deck when we return stick around you're listening to on deck circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM hey yeah you listening right now to KCOU 88.1 FM. Here, check out this sneak peek of what to expect on Cup of Bro. So if you had to give it like a flavor profile, would you call it like a Tahiti sunrise or more like a San Francisco fog? Um, I would say it's almost like a San Francisco dusk. It's not just flavors. We got sports too. From Wisconsin, Tyler Hero, <laughs> uh, the man, the myth, the legend. So join us Fridays at 11 a.m. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. Hello and welcome back to the On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt with Sam Fry. Sam, let's let's talk more baseball. Um, so so there, we know they sort of agreed to. I mean, at least semi semi officially at this point, agreed to implement a uh, DH in the National League. So yep. it would be in both leagues at this point. 
Which NL team do you think benefits from that the most? Um, the first thing that came to mind for what team benefits the most in the NL was the Mets. I thought the same thing. Because <laughs> they've got two guys in J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith that are good hitters and not great in the field. They have J.D. Davis primarily played third base and was not good. They had to end up playing Jonathan Villar over him pretty much 66% of the time. And then Dom Smith, they tried him at first, and then, I mean, that's really Pete Alonzo's spot. They tried him in the outfield. He wasn't great there either. And so I think they've got two guys that, that their lineup could look a lot better if they play like VR in, in at third and then end up playing a better defensive outfield. I think VR is actually a free agent. Okay. Believe, but they signed Eduardo Escobar, who's yes, almost yeah. a better version of VR. And they did <laughs> sign Mark Canna, too. So yeah. if they're going to play like Nimmo and Canna in the outfield. And Starling Marte is the third and, one. And yeah. Marte, yeah. So if the outfield is going to be Canna, Marte, and Nimmo, I must, I, that's probably their best defensive outfield. I would say so, yeah. And then you've got at Escobar at third. Alonzo, obviously, is, is going to be playing first. Lindor at short. Right. And then at second, I mean... You have Jeff McNeil and they have Robinson Cano coming back. Yeah. One of those two. McNeil's also a versatile guy. So is Escobar. And McNeil, can, McNeil was playing some outfield last year, yeah. too. So I think they've got... A, I think the DH gives them a lot more options in terms yeah. of a better offensive and defensive lineup. So I, the, Mets, the Mets definitely came to mind. The Dodgers also came to mind just because they have so many weapons on offense. Just oh, yeah. an extra, like... You could you could put Gavin Lux at DH. You could put like Matt Beatty at DH. We saw his struggles in the outfield in the playoffs last year. You could put Albert Pujols at DH if they resign him. Yeah, if they resign him <laughs> right. and face a lefty. So I could definitely I can see them using Max Muncy at DH. Too, yeah, especially as he comes back from his elbow injury. Right. Uh, just because they don't know how he's. He, I mean, who knows if he's going to be. Most likely, I mean, I'm hoping he'll be ready to. Just for their sake, I'm hoping he'll be ready. To play the field, I mean, as soon as the season starts, but I mean, I guess you never know with player. I mean, who, I mean, he, for all we know, he could suffer a setback in spring training, right? And I mean, maybe he starts the season on the on the injured list anyway. But it's the way rosters are constructed right now, and just given his injury issues, I feel like that might be that might be a good place for him at least to start the season. Yeah, and a couple other teams that came to mind. I don't know if. Do, do the Cubs want a DH Contreras? Would they would they consider that? I think I think the only reason they would is if they call up Miguel Amaya. Okay. Just because Amaya's as good, if not better, defensively. Um, so I mean, just to keep both of them in the lineup, maybe rotate the two of them between catcher and DH, or maybe I mean, on a, not necessarily every day, but most days, and then and then you still have room for. Um, Nico Horner to DH or David Bodie. I mean, one of those extra guys, um, or someone else if they're playing the field in, in place of someone else. I mean, you can just that extra versatility helps. Which I mean, the Mets have all that versatility too. Same with the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, the teams with the most versatility just they're able to rotate guys around more, and that helps the guy, the players stay more rested, which helps. Yeah, I. I'll be very—I'm happy to see the DA. I know some people were want like to see a pitcher sit, but, I mean, I don't know. Pitchers were hitting, like, 100 last year, and yeah. it's—all the substitutions. Like, I was watching, like, one, some of those Dodgers-Padres games. You'd have, like, oh, yeah. the pitcher hitting with the bases loaded and two outs in, like, the 13th inning. You don't want—I mean, no one wants that. So, let's, let's just— I'm 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 glad the pitcher no injury no pitchers worried about like do like make, pulling something in their swing or getting hit by a pitch or yeah. sliding wrong in the base pass just let the pitchers pitch let the hitters hit because when you watch baseball you want to see the best in the world at their craft and watching pitchers hit was not that um, I think it also sort of makes the AL and NL more. Even as far as that. yeah, and, I mean, yeah. for years people have talked about how the NL is an easier league to pitch in because you face the pitcher, and so now if they do have the DH, which they did for one season in 2020, but on a permanent basis if they have it, then that definitely makes it more 
even and that it doesn't it doesn't make it it make it makes it easier for for so, I mean the, the managing aspect it makes it easy I mean like you were saying I mean you don't need as many substitutions you can it's not like you I mean if you're if you want to leave your pitcher out there for the next inning you you can you don't have to worry about when his batting spots coming right, up in exactly. the order um plus I mean you don't have issues like I mean players like Max Scherzer got hit in the nose when he was practicing bunting I mean granted he still pitched through that but um it it, it you you don't want stuff like that happening yeah. Which, on a similar note, which players do you think benefit the most? Well, a couple guys that are right now in free agency, I think it's going to benefit quite a bit. One is Nick Castellanos because he has a, a sketchy glove. It's, yeah. it's okay, but his bat is tremendous. I think this is going to give him – I think he is meant to be a DH and playing – you know, signing he can go to any team he wants, and and I think make a lot more money just by DHing. Another one is Kyle Schwarber, who's also a free yeah. agent. The Red Sox were trying to have him play first base, which was sort of a disaster at times. But he he sort of he sort of did that for a little bit. I mean, you're a, he was a decent outfielder with the Cubs. I don't think he was anything special in the out I mean he wasn't amazing he's, in the outfield he's, impro- he's improved defensively he's actually like an I would say probably about an average defensive outfielder at this point and I mean Castellanos isn't his fielding's not great but his arm's good right um yeah. so I mean I don't I can see some team using him in the outfield possibly as or at least part-time maybe switch him between DH and outfield yeah like half the time at right. each, just to get that arm I mean as a right fielder I mean that's probably one of the most important positions to have a good arm and I mean, yeah. as far as the, I mean, that's probably the most important outfield position. So, I mean, getting him in there, I mean, with, I mean, having, I mean, he is a former third baseman, so he knows. He has a good arm for sure. Yeah. I, just some, some, the fly balls, I oh, think he yeah. had it. And then I don't know how long Nelson Cruz wants to play for. I don't know if he's going to get another contract or like wants to play for another contract. But if he does, then he's going to have to, he's can go somewhere besides the AL if he wants right. to because he cannot play in the field anymore. I mean, yeah. just, it's just 40 years old. Yeah, I mean. no, it's, 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 I, he's a, he's a legend. And I like oh, Nelson yeah. Cruz a lot, but it's, he just can't play in the field. Um, I don't know what Albert Pujols wants to do, but now he can play DH like yeah. we talked about earlier and, and, and maybe, maybe go elsewhere if he would like. like I can definitely see the Cardinals bringing him. I back was going to say, if DH. he wants to go back to the Cardinals and play like the back half of the season yeah. in DH, um, because he's definitely not going to, I mean, he's not going to play first over Paul Goldschmidt. No, that there's there's no way that ha- maybe maybe a couple times a week he plays first with Goldschmidt at DH. I mean, I, I could see that happening, right? Just to give Goldschmidt a break, but you're not they're not going to take Goldschmidt out of the lineup. Basically, I mean, he no, I, he's I, one I of their agree. cornerstone guys. Um, I mean, go, I mean, with both Cruz and Pujols, Pujols was sort of in a bench role for the end of the season. Um. I mean, even with the Angels for a bit, but mostly with the Dodgers because there was no DH. I feel like if there was a DH, he might have, he probably would have played more. I mean, Cruz, both these players basically just expanded, either expand, Pujols expanded his role with NL teams. Cruz expanded his whole market. He was basically only looking at the AL teams. Now he's able to, to sign with any team in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, that could lead to more money for him. I mean, it could also. I mean, not just with him, but for a bunch of guys that could extend their careers. Um, just because, I mean, more time in the DH means less wear and tear on the body um, playing defense. So, I mean, it's... I, I can see I can see plenty of guys who maybe stick around a year or two longer because of that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting with guys that are perceived to be even a bit younger. One name that came to my mind that I know he plays in the AL, so it, it's, already, it's already there, but Gary Sanchez, yeah. if he wants to leave the Yankees... And last year, Yankees fans were very upset with him and his effort and his defense. And the, the play that comes to mind is the tag play where I think it was oh, yeah. Jonathan VR that he was, Sanchez had the ball in front of home plate and VR still scored. <laughs> but um, I think if he wants to maybe stop catching a little early and just focus on his bat. Yeah. And maybe like take a contract for a team that's like, hey, we're just going to play. We already have a catcher. 
I team that I don't know. This is crazy, but a team that came to mind is maybe the Pirates if they have I can see if that. they have like Henry Davis that's going to be the catcher for the long term. Yeah, and they're like, hey Gary, we need more offense in our lineup. Just come DH for us and maybe catch like once a week. And I think that's a role that he could have with an NL team. But it'll be interesting to see what guys sort of in the NL maybe partake in the DH. I think Marcelo Zuna is one that was, if he comes back. I was back, thinking of that, actually, yeah. If if he comes back and is with the Braves, they don't want to play st- him in the I outfield. I think he's still, on their, he's still on their contract with the Braves. Yeah, I don't, um, yeah. And he there's just, just not really a spot for him at this point. With I mean, with Acuna healthy. Yeah. Because they don't, I think they would rather play Acuna in a corner outfield spot than in center. Yeah, I mean, would they, I don't know if they would play Pache in center or... Either him or Guillermo Heredia. Yeah, or Heredia. Um, but if they want a better defensive outfield, it would it would be that way. And Acuna, they want to protect him, I think, more from injury yeah. too, playing him in right. the corner than playing him in center. So, and that would leave a spot for Ozuna at DH because he right. does have a good bat. We know he has yeah. a good bat. And He's he, also not good defensively. Yeah, I mean, which helps. Yeah, yeah. right. So, or helps. It helps, mean, the Braves helps the Braves make the decision. Yeah. yeah. So it. It helps them both, and it helps Ozuna maybe get back on track. Yeah, but those were just some some names that I I had, and I, it'll be interesting to see what what the DH ends up bringing to like the pitching stats in the NL, like if the, if the ERAs do go up. But yeah. we'll see. I had a I thought I had was thinking of a few more guys possibly. Okay. I mean, a couple young Seth Beer, okay, Arizona, who's I mean there might be a spot for him at first, but he's just. I mean, he's not good defensively, so maybe with a DH, there's kind of more of a role for him. Yeah. Same thing with Lewin Diaz from Miami, who's also a first baseman, but he's also blocked by Jesus Aguilar. So, I mean, if, if, the, if the Marlins want to get Diaz in the lineup, which he's one of their top prospects, um, putting either Aguilar or Diaz at DH would allow them to keep both in the lineup and not have to keep rotating the two. Yeah. And then also... I mean, this this guy isn't as young, but Darren Ruff, I mean, just, I mean, he's as a part-time DH almost, just give him more of a role. Um, I mean, he's he's still under contract with San Francisco. He was good for them last yeah, day, Yeah, and he, I mean, he's a sort of part-time outfield, corner outfield and first base guy. So, I mean, he could see time, I mean, Brandon Belt is going to be the main first baseman for, I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to be the first baseman pretty much all the time. Um, so that, I mean, that almost leaves where San Francisco sort of mix, mixes and matches with the corner outfield anyway, but I mean, having that extra spot available maybe allows them to get Ruff's bat in the lineup even more. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. I mean, the giants were, and they were like analytical machines last oh, year yeah. just in terms of just like batting guys in the right spots and, and playing matchups. So I can't imagine what they as a team would do with the DH and just using, I'm sure they would absolutely maximize it to their advantage. Yeah. So I can see a guy like Lamont Wade sort of yeah. in a similar position, just I mean, more against can, righties. I think Ruff's better against lefties. Yeah, Lamont Lamont Wade for sure. Um, I don't know if if a guy like Brandon Crawford would ever move from shortstop if when he gets old, like when he's he's getting up there in age. You know, maybe if he has wanted, if it's taking too much of a toll on his body to, to play that rangy position that is shortstop, and yeah. maybe you know in the twilight of his career wants to DH more. Um, even if it is just for two or three days a week, just yeah. to take, get get some rest. But yeah, the Giants are an interesting team because I don't even know what to expect from them this year. I mean, is yeah. it was was it was it a one hit wonder last year, or is this a core that can get them back to where they were in the early 2010s? We'll I mean, see. it's going to be different anyway because Posey's not there. Right. I mean, he's been with them. I mean, well, he sat out 2020. But he's been in a Giants uniform pretty much every year since 2010. I mean, yeah. for 10 years, I mean, he's been he's been there pretty much. I mean, he he's hurt a decent he was hurt a decent amount, but um, it's just it's 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 good. Like when you think of the Giants of recent years, you think of Buster Posey, right? And so, not sort of having him be there is just going to be weird. I mean, I'm. Probably more weird, weird for Giants fans, but I mean baseball fans in general. I feel like it's just gonna it's gonna be different to see Joey Bart back behind the plate instead of Posey. Yeah, and I think it's 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 rough for Joey Bart, man. You're you're 
you're stepping in as, as a rookie in the major leagues, and, and it's like, oh, you're all you got to do is follow the footsteps of one of the best catchers <laughs> ever played the game. No big, no, no pressure, buddy. Um, so that'll be. I hope Giants fans are, and I think they will be, understanding that it's yeah. probably not going to be the, the quite the quite the um, replacement that you're going to have from Posey. He's not going to be that kind of player immediately, at least. So I can almost see them we'll see. bringing. I can see the Giants bringing Posey in as like a catching instructor in spring training, or maybe I mean, just to sort of work with Bart and get him more acclimated to actually. I mean, with the major league staff, since Posey knows most of the guys anyway from oh, last yeah. year. So I mean, just to sort of teach him, so he can so he can follow in Posey's footsteps even better. I can see that happening. Yeah, me too. We're gonna take another quick break, and when we return, there will be more baseball talk. So stick around. You're listening to On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. Baca sidesteps Gasol out to Butler. Shot clock at one. That's a 24 second shot clock by the Hicks. That is Michael Malone's favorite defensive play right there. All the hoops, highlights, news, and discussions you can take on KCOU's newest basketball insider program, Shot Clock Violation. From the NBA to NCAA, all the way to MSA. If you're looking to score a triple-double with a full hour of hoops, tune in to 88.1 FM or stream on KCOU.FM. For Shot Clock Violation, I'm your host, Shane Gravel. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. We bring the fight to the front line. The Army National Guard stands ready to face the dangers of Mother Nature and protect our homes and our neighbors. We will always be there when your community needs us the most. Discover more about all the ways you can serve part-time in your community by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Welcome back to On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt with Sam Fry. And Sam, we, we talked about the CBA um, negotiations a little bit earlier. There's sort of one key question that is still sort of up in the air. I mean, the league wants it, but the Players Association doesn't. Do you think there needs to be a, ma- a mediator to help to help move these talks along? I don't think there needs to be one, especially because the players don't want it. I think you you see on social media that the players have said they think the mediator would just side with the ownership because the ownership wants them. I mean, they just they I think they think the process would be more like illegitimized if if there was a mediator, and I don't want the players to feel like they're they're being illegitimized in terms of the negotiations. I think if both sides would ag- would agree that a mediator was needed, then I think there should be one. But since since the players don't want a mediator there, I would sig- I would be cautious, especially since especially since they've been so like outward on social media about how much they don't want a mediator. Yeah. Um that that makes me sort of look into it with a bit of caution. Yeah, I think it is sort of um, – I mean, at this point, I don't know. I mean, I get that the players don't want it. I'm just thinking if the season – if the goal was to start the season on time, I mean, I feel like – and I mean, we're, what, five days away from when the league set a deadline to have a deal by? Right. Um, where anything after that, the season basically wouldn't start on time. So if there's 
if there's a resource that could help the process move along quicker and sort of get to a point where a deal could actually happen before that date. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell without actually being there if, I mean, if it's actually, I mean, if, if a deal is likely, I mean, at this point, probably not as far as if a deal is going to happen by Monday, but just based on how it's going. But if it ramps up quickly, I think it could. So it's, it's sort of hard because you're in that middle where, I mean, it could help, but it might, like, you, you might have a deal, but you might not. Like, if it were clear that you weren't going to have a deal, I think the mediator could be really helpful. Just as far as moving, sort of get, getting it going and talking about the key issues. Because they mostly avoided most of the key issues yeah. in their negotiations recently. So I think that's sort of a um, – I mean, I, th- I feel like that could be in – uh, a really, it, it could be a helpful tool if they need it. Yeah, I think that the problem is that if the the only goal is not to start a season on time, because if that was the goal, then the, the, we this would be over with. But the players want to get something out of this. They want yeah. they want to use this to, you know, get get more, you know, get the stuff they want. And if they think a mediator is going to hinder that. They're not going to go for it. So the 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 goal is not only is not the 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 start of the season is is a bonus at this point. I think for both sides. I think the the players have their eye on the prize, and the prize is is getting you know more money for for them and the minor leaguers. So if they don't think a mediator is going to help them do that, and they think a mediator is going to help help the owners more, then I understand why they wouldn't want to do it. And it it sucks because like you said if if a mediator would get it done and get it done where it would be fair for both sides then i think that would be the ideal scenario but it's it's that's clearly not what's happening here so i i just i i wonder if a mediator would would do anything that that would benefit here and if and if the players don't want to do it they're not going to have i mean if the players don't want a mediator there's not going to be one so i think it it's 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 a big it's it's an issue that, that that this is this is taking this long, but I just don't know with with what the players have said, I don't know if a mediator would help. Yeah, that's true. So now to quickly go through our recurring segment this week in baseball history, um, our first thing in eighteen eighty five, uh, Charlie Buffington, who was a pitcher for the Boston Bean Eaters at the time created a baseball roller skate, which would supposedly give pitchers more swing in their delivery, give them more motion, and let them keep their feet on the, gr- on the ground instead of having to lift up and kick towards the plate. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it, it didn't end up. It sounds yeah. crazy. It oh, it does, <laughs> yeah. Think of how different the game would be if that actually, that'd be, if that'd there be was insane, a round. That'd be insane, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so our next thing. Is in 1943, Philip Wrigley and Branch Rickey created a All-American Girl Professional Baseball League, and this this was obviously, I mean, Branch Rickey is is a legend in baseball history, is like a, and he, this is just another step he took to to make the game more accessible to everyone who wanted yeah. to play, which is really important, and and he did some very great work back in the 40s. And Wrigley um, was involved with baseball. I mean, he was yeah, the Cubs owner at the time. Right. I think it was actually his idea to do this. Um, so it, it was actually originally a softball league, and then they switched to baseball, and it was it was supposed to sort of replace baseball during World War II since they weren't sure if they were going to have an actual, like, major league was not, the major leagues was not going to happen during the, uh, the, war, during yeah. the World War II. So it was, it was interesting. It's actually the league that the movie League of Their Own is based yeah, on. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, which the movie is fictional, but it's based on this league. So that's, it's, it's an interesting tidbit, I guess. Um, our next thing, in 1944, Joe Nuxel signed a contract with the Reds at 15 years old. So nowadays you have players signing at 16 years old, or, I mean, I think that's the youngest you can sign, but those are only international signings. And, I mean, Nuxle wasn't an international signing. He was actually from – he was from the United States. Um, and it's kind of weird because I – mean, well, he was the youngest player to play in the majors. But the way he was discovered, the Reds actually went to a game to scout his father and ended up signing him instead, which is kind of a weird coincidence. That's crazy, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
pitched in one game at 15 years old, got two outs, gave up five runs, actually faced Stan Musial, which is pretty, which, I mean, is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then was sent to the minors and didn't pitch again for another eight years. So, Crazy I mean, then career. He was good after yeah, that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, he did have a, a sub four career ERA, which is yeah. decent. Um, our next, our next thing in uh, tw- uh, nineteen forty five. We talked about this a bit, but owners cancel All Star Game because of World War Two, and we talked about the um, the all female league, the league of their own movie that sort of replaced baseball when it was gone, and the All Star Game was unfortunately canceled as well during that time. Yeah, I mean they they actually still kept that week open, which is which was interesting. Um, but then they they sort of they instead went to had like eight AL teams play eight NL teams. Just they ended up only having seven of the eight games, but that's what their plan was. Um, and then in 1954, Roberto Clemente signed with the Dodgers, which many people may not know he started with the Dodgers, but he did. Signed a one-year, five-thousand-dollar contract with them, um, with a ten-thousand-dollar signing bonus, and then after after the 1954 season, was the first pick in the Rule Five draft by the Pirates, who took him and then paid four thousand dollars. So four thousand dollars is, I mean, for Roberto Not Clemente, bad. that's a pretty good deal <laughs> yeah. for the Pirates. And obviously, I mean, Clemente, his number twenty-one, obviously immortalized at PNC and absolute legend and, and hero in, in the baseball world and he's sorely missed and the, the plane crash was was horrible but I didn't the Dodgers is a team that not really you don't really think of Roberto Clemente when you think of him yeah um but we also have in 1960 Ebbets Field was torn down um and that was the it was in Brooklyn and obviously it it was it was famous because of when the Dodgers played and Jackie Robinson played on that field. Right. And they actually did have a ceremony to go out to sort of say farewell to the stadium. Had Singer come in and sing the national anthem. Actually gave Roy Campanella an urn of dirt from behind home plate, which pretty cool for him to have that. And I think our final one, since we're sort of running out of time here, um, is... In um, 1986, Raleigh Fingers chose his mustache over being in the majors, which kind of weird to compare the two. But um, so he had been invited to spring training with the Reds. The Reds at, at the time had a rule about having facial hair. They did not want players to have facial hair. Um, so they, they asked him to shave his trademark handlebar mustache or I mean, trademark for him, his handlebar mustache. He refused to do that and instead retired. So he didn't pitch for them um, because he didn't want to shave his facial hair, which is kind of an interesting story. But Yeah. Um, good, good for Raleigh, standing up, yeah. standing up for his mustache there. But that's going to do it for us this week on the On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt with Sam Fry. Sam and I will be back next week to talk more baseball. Hopefully there will be a new CBA by then. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Anna Hollander from the Brazilian band Diaphanes, and you're listening to KCOU.